How y'all doing that? Show like to thank y'all for stopping by for another episode of this Removing the Illusion Pod Talk here, man. Let me tell y'all. But look, y'all know here before I get started talking about what I'm going to talk about, I always like to tell y'all what I'm smoking on tonight. But you know what? I ain't smoking on nothing tonight. And it ain't even nighttime. It's early morning. I didn't woke up. It's a Friday morning and look like it's going to be a, a beautiful off and on rainy day. You know, down here in Florida, the weather is like an off and on relationship. Some days it's sunny, some days it's rainy, some days it's cloudy. It ain't never the same, just like in a relationship. That's how the weather is down here in Florida. Look here, I woke up early this morning. Now, I'm not smoking on anything, but I got to tell y'all, I got to give y'all a recommended stick for the day. The recommended stick for the day that was on my mind, like them preachers say, on my heart to give, is Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanca. Now, let me tell y'all, now I haven't personally smoked, wait a minute. I'm looking at the band that's his stick here. I was just about to tell one of them uh, uh, Trump lies. Uh, this stick I here, I have had this uh, Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanca. I usually smoke the V's, but I have heard that I can tell by the band here. I have smoked one of these before. I don't rightly remember now. It's kind of like a, um, a in, in between a mild and a medium blend. So it's very not a very strong cigar. Now, let me tell y'all what these folks say about this here stick here. Now, and then I'm gonna tell y'all what I kind of recollect about it. Now, this this now this is now now this Gilberto Olivia Reserve, and y'all kind of forgive me because it's early morning. You know how it is when you wake up early morning. You know, you kinda off balance a little bit, you know. But I had some things on my mind that I was kind of dreaming about, and I kind of woke up thinking about it. So I just I say, well, you know what? Uh, I might well just go on here and, you know, do a little talk on it right quick here. So this is early morning, too. And I haven't did one of these little early morning digging talks in a, in a while here. But this Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanco is coated by a brown Ecuadorian Connecticut rapper. Now, me personally, I usually don't like these Connecticut rappers myself because Connecticut rappers is usually light. I guess that's why the profile is kind of between a mild and a medium because of that Connecticut rapper. I usually like the Madurian rap, the Madurian rappers. But this Connecticut rapper, you know, this this would be kind of like a cigar. This would be like an early morning cigar for me. You know, some light, not too heavy. But it's a Connecticut rapper. Your Berto Oliva Reserva Blanca is expertly constructed, as you may expect. An Ecuadorian bond and Nicaraguan filler teams up with underneath in this mellow to medium body gym. Now, see that what I told y'all. Now, I, I didn't use the word mellow, but it's between a medium and a mild, okay? I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, it's between, it's between, uh, it's between a mild and a medium, so that would be a mellow. Ain't that something? M-M-M, okay? So, uh, underneath in this mellow to medium body gym, loaded with creamy flavors, it's creamy, creamy. I think that creamy because it's light. But I'm gonna tell you what these folks say. Then I'm gonna tell y'all what I think here. Because as I'm reading this, it's kind of coming back to me here. But let me get back into it. I'm gonna start from the beginning because I'm all off track. I'm all off track, like when the rain, like the one I'm bringing them all, when the railroads back in Louisiana. Because I lived in, you know, we lived in front of the railroad track, and then back he had the trains. In back, I tell you about stirred that about that one day. But I'm kind of all off track this morning here. We all over the place, but y'all know what it is. Kind of morning time here. But this Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanca, coated with golden brown Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanca is ex expertly constructed as you may expect. 
An Ecuadorian binder and a Nicaraguan fill teams up underneath in this mellow to medium body gin. Loaded with creamy flavors. You also notice hints of cedar, accompanied by a long, enjoyable finish. We are fortunate enough to have samples. Now, this I'm, I'm, I'm right now, I'm on CI's website. They tell you they got samples, but I don't be getting off into all that. You see what I'm saying? But they saying that this thing here is good paired with a cup of coffee. Okay, and it's good to save it down to the nub because a lot of times I find when they get down that nub, that's when that stick gets really good, especially one of these, you know, what these 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 mellow or medium cigars. Usually they start off kind of, you know, mellow medium. Sometimes they get a little a little spicy, you know, a little spicy on the way it gets down to the nub. Okay, now these folks did say say that this Gilbert Oliva Reserve Blanca has received impressive. 92 points rating. Now, I don't know who the heck be doing all these ratings, but that's what they say. It was it 92 people that did the rating, or which is was one person who smokes cigar every day who get everything confused with. I don't know about that, but they said it has a 92 point rating. I'm going to take their word for it. Okay. Now, again, it's a beautiful constructed Corona with a superb draw and even uh, combustion. Best notes of cedar and earth are a rich foundation for the cigar sweeter elements. Of bacon spices and cocoa powder. Now I don't like I tell y'all all the time I be giving this little thing here when I read what these folks say. I don't know how the heck they can tell all that stuff. Them all cedar and earth. What do earth sound like? What do earth taste like? Now, what do earth taste like? I don't know what earth tastes like. I know when I taste the dirt, it don't taste like something that I want to smoke. But they say earth, not cedar. Now I know what cedar smell like, but I ain't never put no cedar in my mouth. You know, and it said a foundation of cigar and sweeter elements of bacon spices. What bacon spices? There's a lot of bacon spices. Which particular bacon spice are they talking about? See what I'm saying? And then they say a cocoa powder. Now, I know what cocoa powder is because I like chocolate milk if it's the same thing. But all this stuff, I ain't never smoked no cocoa powder. All this stuff, these, these, these 92 people, these 92 rating people be talking about. Something I just don't understand what they be talking about. I just don't understand. But the only thing I know is that this cigar here, when I go back here, it does have a smooth taste. So the creamy is a smooth. It does have a smooth taste. It is a metal cigar. And I think just personally, because I ain't no expert, y'all. Like I told y'all, I'm just getting into the cigar game. You know, my buddies, boy, them, boy, boy, them jokers can smoke some cigars. And they know they cigar. They be talking cigars. I be thinking they be talking about French. I be thinking they be talking about the war, war, the war in Bosnia. Something I don't know nothing about. But I be listening to it. I be taking notes. I have my little, my little, my little phone. Put my little notes down. Then I go back and do my research. You see what I'm saying? But let me tell y'all something. This is this is a good medium light stick. Now I don't think this stick right here is something that my cigar buddies. They I don't think something they'll smoke because you know they <laughs> now they can get down with some cigar. And I think this thing here may be a little too light for any of their palates. But me personally, I think this is a good cigar for somebody like me and some entry level folks that's coming into the cigar game. You entry level coming into, I think this Gilberto Oliva Reserva Blanca, you know, with this uh, mellow taste, I think it's a good stick, especially for women. You know, if you, 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 you know, if you like smoking these cigars and and your gal, she interested in getting into smoking, don't give her nothing heavy, because that kind of like a distort her from the cigar game. You know, start up with something light, you know, you know, uh, you know, like 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 one of these Gilberto Oliva Reserve Blank. I think this is something good like that a female, like an entry level cigar for a female. Or again, something light in the morning when you wake up in the morning, like me waking up in the morning. This would be a good stick for me. But I haven't started smoking yet. Cause like I told y'all, I just I just got some, I got a few things to do. And, 
and today, you know, Friday, so I, you know, get the, me and my cigar buddies, you know, we meeting up, you know, at, at, uh, at, at, the, at the cigar shop today, so I start my, my little smoking, you know, after two o'clock, after I get my little angels run. But look, if y'all ever get a chance, y'all go on the host or CI or something like that, or like I tell you all the time, patronize your local cigar spot. You know, I'm quite sure your local cigar spot, because I know my local cigar spot, Roz, I know he has this Gilberto Oliva Reserva Blanca, because I smoked one there before. But hey, if y'all can't get y'all local cigar spot, y'all goes online, right? And y'all go to Holtz or CI, and these people don't, these people don't give me no money. Don't nobody give me no money. No, you know, I, I don't, I just do this thing here for the fun of it. But, you know, y'all go get y'all some of these good cigars. This is a good entry-level cigar, a good morning cigar. You know, to start your day off with. And if for your gal, you know, she, she she can get her entry level into the cigar game. You know, this is a good, you know, this is a good stick for her. So look here. Let me tell y'all something, man. I woke up this morning. Y'all see my voice kind of house. I woke up this morning, man, and and uh, I had this thing on my mind, man. I had, it was a, you know, back, back in the day, man, when I was in, uh, you know, back when I was, I think I was in, let's see, uh, I always associate everything. I always associate time with a girl, you know, always for me, when I think about time, you know, it's always associated with a girl, you know, like, you know, time when I was married, I can tell you the year and date, but I can tell you what happened, but I associated with a girl. And I guess it all started back, like when I was in junior high school, you know, uh, no, actually, you know, when we had moved to Michigan, we had, we had moved to Michigan, you know, I was kind of like a high, they used to call me the high plane drifter. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you know, like in that Ken Eastwood movie. Because, you know, I ain't know nobody. So I used to, you know, I used to keep to myself a lot. You know, a lot of them fellas up there, you know, they was kind of trouble. And I wasn't used to no trouble. You no know, southern boy like me, you know, come from Louisiana, you know, up there to Michigan. You know, plus I, plus they say I talk funny. So them, you know, them, uh, you know, them northern Negroes, you know, they didn't take too kindly to this old southern boy. But uh, it was this old gal. And I think when I when I met this gal, I had started learning about this gal probably around about, you know, I probably wasn't even in school then, you know, because it was kind of summertime, probably around about maybe the sixth grade or something like that, you know, because I can remember I was venturing down this alley, you know, they had that where we lived in uh, Michigan, uh, in Pontiac, it had, uh, we lived on the street called Shirley Street, and like, 8th Street over, you, you have it had a, a little park that everybody played basketball in. And I was kind of always a little watcher. I like to sit and just watch people, you know, especially if I don't know nobody. I like to sit and watch. I don't like to talk to people. You know, if I can help it, I just like to sit and just watch people, observe people, because that's how I learn. I learn about watching. And and I'll tell y'all, this here, this this is this, what I went, this what I woke up on my mind this morning when I woke up. This is my little morning thing. This was on my mind. It just came back to me all of a sudden. You know, it came back to me. And I can remember, you know, walking to the park by myself and you had to walk down the street called Edith Street. Now, between Shirley Street, where I live, and the park street was on Paddock Street. And Edith Street was a straight line to Pike Street where the park at. You know how they say the shortest distance, distance to any point is a straight line? Well, that's what I did, you know, when I found out about the park. So I took off, I struck off by myself. You know, uh, I had no shoes on because I was from Louisiana. I wasn't used to shoes, but I learned in Michigan you had to wear shoes because them folks up there, you know, 
They throw on their streets, you know, they throw bottles, they break broken bottles and all kind of stuff. So you better put some shoes on, get your feet cut up. Louisiana, we had to worry about that. Louisiana, we, we, it was kind of clean. You know, people, the streets was clean, the neighborhoods was clean. You know, you can walk barefoot, do stuff and not get your foots all cut up. Because, you know, Southern folks had manners. You know, I'm just telling y'all the facts, you know. Just telling y'all, you know, my point of view, you know. And uh, I tried to put shoes on quick, but I was walking to the park and it had this house with this little gal. It was the Hickman house. It was a big gray house. It was the Hickman house. But you know what? You know what? You know what? Look, you know what? I'm getting off into the story. I'm not going to do that. Look, before I get off into what I'm going to talk about, because what I did here was, what was on my mind when I woke up this morning, I went back through my, my archive. I used to do this thing when I was in uh, Palmdale, California. I went out there for assignment one time. And I was up there in the mountains and uh, there wasn't nothing to do. So I started, uh, I was up there for about two years. So I started, I started doing, I started sewing by hand. And don't y'all laugh at me. I call it my crafting. <laughs> and I also write, start writing stories. I used to call them Southern style, uh, Southern style stories. I start storytelling. And then I, I start story, I start writing them down. And then I start doing them, storytelling myself. And uh, I accumulate a whole heap of these Southern style stories. And this one particular story that I did, you know, it was called uh, it was called Mary. You know, it's about the good that I woke up thinking about this morning. Let me tell you something. I, I'm, I'm not going to get too off, too far deep off in this, but I'm going to tell you a lot of things that we go through or we do today is often affected by what happened yesterday and in our past. A lot of things growing up in our past, man, is still compartmentalized in our mind. And we act unconsciously the way that that uh that, that that we experienced life a long time ago. It's just that we grown folks now. See, when we live for, we ain't had the power and the strength to do anything, to stop anything, or control anything, or change anything. But now that we's older and we see those things that we experienced when we was younger, now we have a little bit more, have a little bit more power that we can kind of change things, and we're still affected by those things. And so this is here is one of the stories that I wrote, you know, about Mary and one of my southern style stories. I'm going to share with y'all. Let me tell y'all something now. Y'all must be very special. Because this is the first time that I'm sharing any one of my Southern style stories. And look, I want y'all to kick back. I want y'all to listen to this story. It's called Mary. And this is a true story. Now, I put a little, now I put, did put a little feeling in it here and there. But it's still a true story about this gal named Mary. And when y'all listen to this, I'm going to come back on the other side like I always does. And I'm going to talk to y'all about I'm going to give y'all a little, little bit more in-depth about this story, this gal, Mary. Now, I'm going to sit back here, and I'm going to think about this Elvis Gilberto leave a reserve of Blanca, or I'm going to try to figure on what I'm going to be smoking on later with my fellas when we sitting around playing pool, because I'm going to take them fellas money today. Sure, look, we be playing this game called Nine Ball, but that's okay. That's another story for another day. So y'all sit back, and y'all listen to the story called Mary, and I'm going to catch up with y'all on the flip side. All right? All right now. You see, I was born across the Red River, y'all. The Tandy Hospital, open Pineville near Tioga, y'all. When the Lord opened my eyes, hey there, y'all. So glad you both decided to come back and hear another story from this old hound dog. And before we get into this here good old son of side story, I want to tell y'all, I just like to say, 
y'all enjoy these little stories I'll be bringing, then please consider visiting the website at Contributing Dinosaur to this hip-hop blog. Because advertisers out here avoided me like I was O.J. Simpson's best friend or something. And even if you don't want to contribute, I don't mind. Keep on listening, downloading, and tell a friend about this old hound dog with a whole lot of stories to tell. Just like my Uncle Pap used to say, some folks go to bed hungry because they ain't got no food. And other folks go to bed hungry because they ain't asked no food. So Mr. Ma just asked. So now that I've got done harassing y'all like a seagull on the beach, now let's go on and get off to this here story before it gets cold, like warm grits on the stove. As Mary, now a grown woman, with a grown son of her own, since a long stand at the heat been on the floor, blowing hot air out, the deeper her mind is absorbing to the visible color wave patterns of the heat on this cold Michigan winter evening. As she reflects over the last 48 years of her life, all the abuse her body had taken having sex with one filler after the other since she was right about the age of 10 years old. The toll it has taken on her body, her health, her dreams, her mind. She just sits there and stares into the warm flames. Now, Mary was the youngest gal of five gals and one boy. Her being a baby gal, I don't really know much about her dad because there were so many fellas going in and out of their house. It was hard to tell who was who. Her mom... I recall seeing her a few times, but only on the front porch. We had one of those that we called back in the day, moo-moo gowns. Now, for you young city folks, a moo-moo gown is like a dress. That's what the older black women used to wear back in the day around the house, covering their whole body. In fact, mom sent my wife one one few Christmas back. Looked old-fashioned on her, but my wife thought it was pretty comfortable. And I got to admit, pretty easy to get into, too, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Anyhow, by what I figured at that time, if all them fellas going in and out of their house, and how her daughters was, the apple didn't fall that far from the tree of life. And the mom would just say she acted as them gals were. But again, that's just my opinion and not the facts. Now, right down the hill from where Mary lived was the Paradox Park. Paradox Park was where all the fellas in the round neighborhoods came to play basketball against each other. You had the fellas from North Shirley Street, which was the fellas I ran with, who consisted of Geese, Harold, Ricky, Boom Boom, Willie May May. Stacy, Tally, Daryl, Boom Boom little brother, Vince and Damon, Harold's little brother, and Daryl, Gee's little brother. Oh yeah, and I can't forget about Greg. Just name a few, because there were so many old heads too round about my old brother's age that also had their click too to play basketball down there. And look at here, I'm going to tell y'all a story about that fella, Ricky brother Greg, one day. That that fella was a sex addict way before that guy Holly Berry ex-husband Eric Benet was. <laughs> I'm telling you. Other neighborhood fellas who played at that park was the fellas who lived across the street from Pike Street Police Station, who actually thought they owned the park. Since it was close to the apartment complex and all, you know. Then there was the fellas who lived up the street on Paddock Street near Pike Street Store, who thought they owned the park also. I guess whoever won the game that day, I guess they owned the park. They did. Now, in the summertime, all three neighborhood kids would get together up at Paddock Park and go ahead on the basketball court. Along with my brother's age group, which was our bossy team, and us, North Shirley Road, the JD team. There would always be these little gals up there. Merritt being one of them, and this other gal named Tracy, who lived across the street, kind of corner from the Pike Street store, up on Paddock Street. Now, I especially called them gals, because they was round about my age. And at that time, I was round about sixth grade, and Mary and Tracy was one grade behind me. So they had to be probably round about 10 or 11 years old. Now, I'm going to tell y'all about me. I was always an observant little fella. I wasn't much on explaining things verbally, but I sure watched and listened to everything, especially what the fellas was talking about. 
And the talk was there was these two young gals that would be up at the court. And whoever played the best basketball could get laid by one of them. But that's also if they like it too, because you just couldn't take it back then either now, like Bill Cosby. So one evening when the sun was going down and we the JV was in a heated contest game against the fellas from across the police station. O'Connor, they had these two fellas on their team we called Andy and JoJo White. O'Connor, they were some pretty good basketball players at that time. I especially remember JoJo because he had an older brother that played against my brother, the boxing squad, who they couldn't guard because he was so good at that time. Could have played NBA ball right out of high school or straight off of Paddock Street. The boy was so good. That fella could play some basketball, but just like JoJo wasn't much on book learning. I heard he got killed over Gale. Don't recall the details, but I was sad when I heard the news because I enjoyed watching him play. And he was really down to earth, too. He even tried to show me a few moves. After his death, I used to go up to the basketball court when no one was up there and just shoot around by myself. I often think about him and all the things he taught me by emulating his moves like I was him. <laughs> I sure missed that fella. Matter of fact, he spent more time with me on the basketball court teaching me things than my own brother did. And he was more patient with me than my brother was. <laughs> I tell you. Now, after those fellas had beaten us again in basketball, we noticed Mary and Tracy walking towards Andy and JoJo. They talked for a few then started walking up the street towards the apartments across the street from the police station where Andy and them lived. Then they disappeared between apartment buildings. Since Willie Mabin was like our leader at that time, and Stacy second in command, I heard them say to each other, man, we ain't gonna never get in your debt if we don't beat them boys. I ain't know what he was talking about at first because I was still greener than mustard green leaf, still stuck in the garden. So we all started walking up Paddock Street from the park to the Pike Street store to get something to drink or some candy. One person would distract the Arab guy at the counter while Stacy, who was our best five-figure discounter, would steal anything he'd get out the store with. To this day, I believe that Arab store owner knew we were stealing, but let us get away instead of chasing one of us. He probably would end up losing more by chasing one of us while the others picked his store clean. Smart man, I would say at that time. Anyhow, out of the group of fellas, I was closer with Harold and Boom Boom. So us was walking behind Stacy Willie and other fellas. And I asked Harold, what was Willie Maybe and Stacy talking about? If we don't win, we ain't going to get any of that. Harold looked at me and said, Mary and Tracy. I said, Mary and Tracy? I was still about as confused as a duck with a raincoat on. Harold said again, if we don't beat JoJo and Andy team, we're not going to get our cherries popped by Mary and Tracy. Now me, still a little confused, Harold said again, but in plain old slow English, like when you turn a record player down a few speeds, we ain't going to get to have sex with Mary or Tracy if we don't win. Sex. Sex. That was the far thing of my mind at the time. Heck, all I want to do was play basketball and watch the Andy Griffith show eating those Looney Tunes cookies. I ain't know the first thing about even where to put it in at. Talking about sex, but I guess that's what Mary and Tracy would take care of. Giving us our first tutorial on sex. Showing us where and how to put it in. Mary and five older sisters, with the youngest of them being at least five years older than her. Those guys are good too and were also hotter than an easy bake oven in their panties. There was always a bunch of fellas over at their house from sun up to sun down catting around one of them gals. In fact, grown men would be there over like Willie May, May older brothers, Floyd and Jeffrey, and a few other fellas also. 
Oh no, mm. them guys didn't mess around with fellas' days. They only fooled around with them older men who worked at that Pontiac Motors car plant or up there at that black lung dirt foundry off Johnson Street across from McCarroll Elementary. It's kind of easy for me now to recall all these things, putting two and fourteen together, since I have all the memories and all. But I do recall hearing Floyd and Jeffrey when they made me older brothers talking about this house up the street on the way to Paddock Park. They had a bunch of guys living in it. They would give it up. Back at that time, I ain't know what give it up mean, but I know now they were talking about having sex with them gals. And they weren't lying either, because older fella hanging up at those guys' house like wet clothes hanging on the clothesline on a rainy day. I recall this one particular evening when the sun was going down and the street lights were just slowly coming on. Me and Harold were sitting on the street curb on the corner of North Shirley Street and Lot Street, across the street from my house. And I hated that house, especially at nighttime, because that's when the rats came out and that house was infested with rats and mice. So like the freaks come out at night, when this house, the rats came out at night. I believe they cast some of the rats out that house to play in that movie Wheeler, all about them rats. Michael Jackson wrote a song about the leader of them called Ben. That rat probably lived in that house too, I guarantee you. So I'm trying to delay from going into the house for as long as I could. I killed some time talking with Harold. When here comes Willie May May from around the corner running toward us, all excited. Like he just got a new Jerry girl putting his ass up. So we asked that old boy, why was he so excited? He said he had just got some from Mary, and all the fellas had to get some from her too, if they wanted to be part of our street sports team. So we asked him, how did he do it? Hey, I wanted some details. I ain't know nothing about sticking my wee-wee in nothing but the tortoise food when I was sitting on it doing number two. Now, Harold may have known how he did it, but sure as the man ain't in the moon, I didn't. Because even at that age, what I didn't know until lots of years later when me and Harold met for our 50th birthday in Las Vegas was, and we were talking, he was about as much a virgin back then as a nun in the Vatican. Anyhow, Willie gave us all the details on how he got her to open up her thighs to him, because it had to be some fancy talking. Because back then, Willie Maymay was about as handsome as a baby chimpanzee. But if he had to put a bag over him, maybe head, then he would have had a slight edge over the gym as far as looks go. Boy, Jeff wasn't handsome at all. So about as near as I can figure, see like that summer for the next week or so, all the fellas from Wall Street had gotten a taste of Mary. After Willie Maymay, it was Stacy, of course, since he was our number two on the team. Then Tally, Ricky, Geese, and when Harold had told me he had got some, boy, I really got confused. Now, I don't know if I got confused or scared because it was looking like the ball was in my court, as they say. I was the next one to go through my team rites of passage. Now, by this time, just between the fellas on our street, JB, the fellas from the other street teams that played down at Paddock Park, along with the older fellas from our varsity, like Mug, Billy May May brother, and yes, allegedly even my brother, who I heard had sex with Mary, me not know anything about sex, figured I didn't want anything to do with her. In fact, I felt sorry for her, for letting all these guys take advantage of her like that. The way I saw everyone using her body, then talking behind her, behind her back, like they talked about Monica Lewinsky and her face and all over the news. And the only thing I heard Monica Lewinsky do is get President Bill Clinton head in the over office without wearing a bill. She left stain on her dress. I guess that's why they call it the over office in the first place. It wasn't like they were having a threesome with Al Gore. And let me just preface this. I don't mind my president getting a little head in the Oval Office. Nothing like a good stress reliever to keep the stress level down in the Oval Office while dealing with economic, social, and world problems. Matter of fact, I would make it a policy. Two blowjobs and two cigarettes afterwards for the president twice a day. 
Don't think we would have been in that rack if my blowjob policy was in place. Because that Dick Cheney looked like he can use about three blowjobs a day. His stress level was too high all the time. Now, one day I was down at Paddock Park shooting around getting some practice in before the court got full. Trying to do some moves like you see Jojo Butter used to do. But Mary came walking over from the swings my way. She asked me, why was I playing by myself? I told her just practicing. Plus, I like being alone. She told me she noticed me a few times and I always seemed quiet. I told her I noticed her too, but it seemed like she was always interested in one of the other guys. So we small talked. I shot around a few more baskets until all the other fellas started filtering onto the court. From a distance, walking to the court, I seen Willie Maymay and the guys seen me and Mary talking. When they got to the court, they started high-fiving me saying, yeah, boy, you got some of that yet? Right in front of her, like she wasn't even there. I thought that was downright rude of them, but I couldn't defend no gal like her on not against my boys, so I let it slide and kept shooting baskets. Now, fast forward two years later, I'm in the eighth grade, and Mary was in the seventh grade. Mary had this one sister who moved on South Shirley Street, near the corner of Arbor Street. At this time, my mom had moved again for the sixth time in one year. The house on the corner of Arbor Street next to Antioch Baptist Church. And I'm telling you, we moved so much when I was a little fella, I thought my last name was No Man. I'm telling you. Now, this house here, which was right on the corner, it was up the street and around the corner from Mary's sister house. So, one day instead of walking Roseline Street to get to the other end of North Shirley Street, then cross Pike Street on the North Shirley Street where my fellas live, I decided to walk down Arbor Street and hang a lift on the South Shirley Street to walk the whole street down the R end across Pike Street onto North Shirley. When I got by the first house on the right, I heard someone call my name. It was Mary. So I stopped and we talked for a few and she was really looking good and healthy, I must say that day. We small talked for a few more, exchanged numbers, then I continued my walk up to North Shirley Street to catch up with my boys. A few days had passed and I never did call Mary because I was messing around with a gal named Sheila who went to the same school as Mary. But this day, once again, I decided to take Arbor Street and South Shirley Street to catch up with my boys. And sure enough, I could see Mary was at her sister's on the front porch as it got closer. So I stopped for a minute or so and had some small talk. Then I asked her for some water. She invited me into the house and then back to the kitchen. But she gave me a glass of cold drinking water with a cup of ice cubes in it. After I drank my water, she took me by the hand and led me upstairs to the sister kid's bedroom. She pulled down my pants and then my drawers. I guess to size me up. But I was young for the testosterone back then. Plus, I know nothing about how big a fella was supposed to be. But I guess it was okay with her, I figured. She being experienced and all. Then she took off her shorts, laid back on one of the kids' bed, then pulled me close to her, and then guided Mr. Wiggles inside her body. When Mr. Wiggles got inside her, I swear it was like I fell into a sinkhole or a black hole or something. That gas stuff was so big. It was like I was hitting dead air inside of her. Heck, I got more pleasure out practicing on myself with a white K-Mark socks on my right hand than inside that gal. I didn't rightly know what sex was supposed to feel like, but I imagine not like me putting Mr. Wiggles in a swimming pool without a life jacket on. That gal coochie was just plain old B. At least too big for me at that time. I recall jumping up. Pulling my pants back up with my drawers up sideways underneath them and running downstairs onto the front porch, then sitting on the steps, just like this. Mary came out behind me and asked, What's wrong? I didn't know how to explain to her what was wrong because I had no idea myself. 
All I did know was that gal coochie had some freaking fireballs on it. And it was way above the mile high club, if you know what I mean. Now, fast forward winter 35 years later, I'm back up in Michigan all these years. Mary had been on my mind, but I hadn't seen her in a long time since I had moved away and everything. So one day while passing this one store on Paddock Street, I see this lady getting out of this old broke down geo car with a kid, a young man, not about 13 or 14, I figured. The woman looked like she was rolled down, tired. And me, never forgetting the face, realized quickly, that looked like Mary. So I pulled a rental car over in this church parking lot, a church I used to go to, where I could see the store. I wanted to confirm if that was her or not. So I waited till they came out of the store, and sure enough, it was Mary. I didn't approach her. I started to run a car back up and went on to my friend's house. But Mary was still on my mind. All these thoughts, questions started rushing in. All the visions of her with different feathers when we was growing up, being abused by guys who treated her like she was nothing but a cum bucket for them, or they rites of passage. So I asked my friend Ricky, who still lived in the old neighborhood, have you seen Mary? He said yes, and told me where she lived. So I got into the old rental car and went over to her house. On the drive day, I was thinking it was time for Mary to stop haunting my memories. Didn't know what I was going to find out or any answers or what I was saying, anything like that. But I had to see her and say something because it just was too many things running through my head. I mean, I just want to know, did she get abused when she was young by somebody, a relative or somebody? Why did she let guys do her like that? All these years, you know, I just want to know something. Now, when I seen where Mary lived, I felt even worse. I was actually nervous about knocking on the door. But I perceived anyhow. Curiosity always beats fear any day. So I knocked on her door like a bill collector. When she came to the door and saw me, she said my name out loud and said, I have been thinking about you for some reason lately. Come on in and have a seat. She invited me into her house to sit down. Kind of reminded me of when she took my hand and led me upstairs to her sister kid's room. But no way that scene was going to play out this time. Mm-mm. Not again. Looking around her place, I was kind of afraid to sit down, thinking bed bugs or something might get on me, but I did anyway. I figured the chance was worth it, and then I would be downright disrespectful if I didn't. Mary sat across from me in a chair facing a heat event that was on the floor, was blowing hot air out. Her mind seemed to sink deeper, observing into the invisible colorways of the heat pattern coming out that vent. It was a cold Michigan evening. Then she said to me, you have questions, don't you? Because I know. So go ahead and ask. <laughs> what y'all think about that, that, that story? Look here. Now that's a true story there. Man, let me tell you something. Boy, I'll tell you one of them. Amazing things about that story that I always remember, and uh, I didn't put it in doing in the writing of the story. You know, maybe I ain't know if my ex-wife she had got hold of one of my sister style story. But one part that I always remember about um, about Mary is that time when uh, I seen her the same time at her sister house, and she took me inside her sister house. And what had happened was we went on upstairs, and we was doing it right. I had to use the bathroom, right? And instead of getting up now, look now. I'm telling y'all, this this this, this here is a little true little story here. 
So if y'all ain't grown up to hear grown up talk, then y'all shut the little pot talk down and, you know, y'all go on YouTube and find out, you know, what the weather is doing today or what, you know, one of them Kardashian doing or whether one of them NBA players doing or something like that. But this little grown folks talk here and a lot of things that happened that we experienced in the past is real stuff that happened. And I know a lot of folks that then is me too stuff don't want to hear. But I just got to say, here, yeah, anybody listen to my little pod talk here. They pardon me too, generation. Then you know you got a problem right there. Listen to old hound dog like me, cause I got a whole lot of stories to tell. But once so, I'm Tom. Just talking for grown folks. We just sitting around smoking on a little cigar, doing our little talk like we regularly do. But I, re I remember one specific thing about it was, uh, cause like me, if I go drink, and I always would like this ever since I was a little fella. If I drink water, water go right through me. Water go right through me like a fire hose. You know, or water holes. It, it, it just siphoned right through me. Always been like that. And I can remember specifically when when I when I went to Mary House and uh, she gave me that, you know, gave me that water with the ice cubes in it. You know, right away I had to use the bathroom because that just like me, water just go through me. And I ain't nothing wrong with my gallbladder because I'm 50 some years old and been like that all my life. If I use bathroom, I just got to go to water right away. And when we went on upstairs and we were doing it, I had the pee wee, right? And I specifically... Part of the reason why I jumped up and ran out and went to the port because, and I ain't tell Mary this, was because I wee-weed inside her. Now, I was a little fella. I couldn't tell the difference between, you know, uh, wee-weeing and, uh, and, and, uh, and that white milkshake coming out or whatever color it is. I ain't never seen it up close with my eyes. You know, I couldn't tell the difference at the time, you know, and I was figuring that, you know, I, when I put it in there and that stuff started coming out, you know, I ain't know, but I know that when I, when after we did it, cause I seen it, I urinated inside that good stuff, you know, cause I ain't know nothing about, you know, you pump, pump, pump until some white stuff come out. I ain't know nothing about that. You see what I'm saying? I ain't know nothing about none of that. You know, I, we ain't have YouTube and Facebooks and all this stuff, Instagrams back then. You know, only thing we had was our Hustlers and Playboy books. But back then, I don't think I was even looking at Playboy Hustler at the time. Because I know the first time I seen a Hustler book was in that same house on Auburn Street next to Antioch Baptist Church upstairs. Uh, a couple, couple of fellas, I think my brother had them. And I, and I messed around and went in his room because he had the big room and found them. And I was in the bathroom. And I was, never forget, I was sitting on the toilet stool looking at that magazine. And it was funny how my little wee wee started growing like Stretch Armstrong. Man, and then I couldn't, I was on the, sitting on the toilet and I couldn't get on the toilet because, you know, I ain't know nothing about, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of maneuver that thing around the toilet to get it from around the toilet when, you know, I, you know, I had got aroused on toilet with them girls in that Hustler magazine. You see, Playboy, you know, Playboy just shows a lot of little pretty stuff. You know, but Hustler, man, Hustler was getting down to the nitty gritty. You know what I mean? And I was looking, I think I was probably around about seven, eight grade, about eight grade. I was about eight grade then, because seventh grade I was over on on uh, Paddock Street, and I wasn't I wasn't cat telling around with no little guy. I had a little guy I liked. I remember that song came out, uh 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 uh, uh Mind Blowing by Heat Wave Decisions. I was cutting around with a little good, but we ain't ever do nothing. I ain't know nothing about cutting around. Then we moved on Auburn Street next to the church, and I remember that's the first time. But at the time when I was when I when I had ran to, to Mary going through this little thing here, 
I um I didn't uh I didn't I ain't on I, I hadn't watched I haven't looked in that in that hustler book then. And see that's what they, you see well like I said we had YouTube and Facebook we wasn't experienced and knowledgeable as these four year old kids they these four year old kids they they very knowledgeable on sex probably no more than I I know because they always because they always got their parents' cell phones always in the parents' cell phones but I remember specifically I wee weed inside that girl I pee peed inside that gal and I jumped up that's why I ran out on the porch see I didn't you know I ain't do what you do which I, I'm trying to keep the little thing respectable I ain't ejaculate inside her. The man way when we do is that grown folks and we have that pleasure and we you know we ejaculate we get that pleasure in and we got to kick back and smoke us a cigar smoke us a cigarette afterward. I peed inside that gal. I jumped around on support. I ain't tell Mary that and I ain't told nobody that all these years. Ain't that something here? I'm sitting on a pod talk here. I'm glad y'all don't know me, but I but I sure did. That's why I was kind of upset. She was like, "What you know? What's wrong? You know, I ain't went. I could tell a girl, well, God dang, I had to pee and I peed inside you. I couldn't tell that gal that." That would have been downright disrespectful as it was your peeing inside her. But look, man, I figured that thing was so big in the inside, man, it was just like peeing in the toilet stool. <laughs> no, I that wouldn't. It was just that, you know, I was inside of her and, you know, I couldn't hold it. And I and I, and, and I, and I pee peed. It's just like I said, just like today. I drank water. I can drink water right now. And got to get up and leave y'all going to go in the bathroom and take a wee wee because the water just flowed through me. And I. And like I say, I was a young fella. I ain't know nothing. You know, I was about as green as an olive leaf. You know, I was green, man. So I just did that. But that's one thing I always remember about 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 Mary. But let me tell you, you know, like I say, and I always I always felt sorry for the gal myself. I really did. I always felt sorry for Mary because I seen so many guys, including my brother, just use that gal, use that girl like an old bag of bond. Just use her, and and I never could understand because I'm the type of person I like to figure things out. You know, I sit there and like to figure things out. And I and I just sit there and figure. And I remember also, now, like I tell y'all, right about that time, uh, this was around about eighth grade. And uh, my girlfriend, a little gal I was kicking around with when I was in the eighth grade, I met around a gal named Sheila. Sheila and Mary went to school together. It was right about, right about in the same grade because they were going to Kennedy Junior High School, Porter Clark Kennedy Junior High School down up there in Michigan. They was kicking around. And Sheila had found out that you know, cause, cause, uh, you know, Mary was bragging. She, you know, she was. So I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I, I must have been packing a little something down there. Must have been did a little good job, cause Sheila was, uh, Mary was bragging at school about this fella. You know, she was bragging about me, and Sheila confronted her, and she said, "Yeah, that's the fella." And see, me and Sheila ain't never did anything. You see what I'm saying? So what happened was, Sheila confronted me. She, and I was like, no, I ain't messing around with that girl. Because she was like, well, you know, everybody didn't cat around with that gal. You know, you stick your thing in that gal. Ain't no telling what you might get. Now, it's again, I ain't know nothing about what she was talking about. What? So she must have knew something I didn't about it. She's talking about no telling what you may get. I ain't know nothing about three days later, go see the doctor. You see, I ain't learned, <laughs> I ain't learned nothing about that. That song by Cool Mo D came out. Three days later, go see the doctor. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I ain't know nothing about that. She she was like, well, you you know you you know if you cat around with cat around with Mary, you know you may get something because that girl messed around with all kind of folks and she messed around with them old grown men too. But I lied, I sure did. I still ain't told she to this day. You know, I matter of fact, I seen she a couple years back when I went up to Michigan. I still ain't tell she the truth. I ain't telling the truth. Once you tell a lie, you gotta keep telling a lie. <laughs> but but you know when you start getting old, 
You start getting old, you know, you you know, you don't give a damn about no dog one line. I'll keep it lying because you got too much in your head to try to remember. So you just tell the truth. But I ain't seen shit. If ever I see her again, maybe I'll tell her, yeah. You know, back then, day when we when uh, when we were little pups and we was catting around, yeah, I did. You know, I I did have sick with me because I give, you couldn't say everybody, you know, everybody was getting their stripe off me, but you couldn't just go around and brag to everybody that you, that you slept with Mary because you know people, you know people, you know people just think you know you got something or you know that gal is no that gal is uh, low down and no count. And you low down, no count, dirty dog for laying with that dog. You know, she lay down with dogs and get feet. But that girl wasn't no dog. That girl was a good girl. That that girl had something inside her head. Something happened with her inside her household that turned her out to that sexual, to that sex thing. You see what I'm saying? I don't know if she got molested. You know, she, she had to get molested by either her brother, either her sister, or her father, or some. Or uh, some one of her mother boyfriends that her mama let inside that doggone house who her mama was catting around with. And I and if I had to bet my money on everything, I would bet my money and say, I bet you nine times out of turtle nail that that gal had got messed around with when she was a little good by one of her mama boyfriends. You see what I'm saying? Or one of her mama uncles. You know them uncles. Them uncles are some dirty dogs too. Them uncles are some dirty dogs. Yes, they is. Uncles are dirty dogs too. That girl probably got turned off by maybe her uncle or mama brother or got turned off by one of them men. Her mom was kept catting around with creeping in her little bedroom at one at night because her mama ain't bit more pay attention, attention to her than she did all the other all the other kids. And all the others were a little older than her because they ain't pay attention to her. So no telling one of them could have been one of her sister boyfriend, one of them old fellas over that house one night, creeping down that little girl and turned her out and made that little girl like that. And it's a it's a shame. Is a shame. The parents are supposed to be a protector of kids. Now I gotta appreciate y'all about y'all kids because I ain't got no kids. And I'm praying, frankly, I'm telling y'all right now, I'm glad I ain't got no doggone kids. You see what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all, because I don't know, I don't know how y'all raising these kids out here today. They give these kids every doggone thing, everything in the world. Kids don't have to work for nothing no more. Kids ain't got to work for nothing. Just get kids up. And then when your kid get in trouble, you surprised. How the hell are you surprised when your kid get in trouble? You don't, you don't, you, you just gave them everything. They had to work for nothing. They had to struggle. You know, even to this day, even even to this day, as a grown man, I still have work ethics in me that when I had when I was a little fella down in Louisiana, because then because them people taught me how to work. I used to bag screws on the floor for twenty five cent. I used to put three screws and three washers, uh, 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 three screws, three nuts, and three washers in a little bag. I used to work six hours sitting on the floor. Watching General Hospital and all my kids, cause these, cause these fellas, cause Mr. Leroy, he was the only house on the block that had air conditioning. So I figured that all the other kids didn't, you know, they didn't want to go to work. And if they did go to work in the Leroy house under air conditioning, they work and they get paid and they'll come back. But I sit there and I go every day and I get paid and I sit down in the air conditioning. I bag them screws up. She give us two cookies. His wife give us two cookies and give us some orange juice. And we get 50 cents a day for bagging them screws. And I sit down bagging them screws. Now, bagging them screws up to this day, it instills inside my work ethics. This is how I work today. This is why when something, I got something on my mind, it drives me. I got to figure it out. This is how I can sit down and I can do mundane tasks. I can do mundane jobs because I learned good work ethics back then. Nobody didn't give me nothing. I had, to, I had to make my, I had to build, I had to find, walk the railroad tracks and find stuff to build my first bike. Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent and all that kind of stuff like that right now. But what I'm saying is, 
stuff that we are indebted or indented in our minds with as little kids, this later comes off in life when we are on our own and we have to be responsible for our own. That girl had this thing that was that, that was forced upon her some kind of way by some no good, no count fella, right? And all her life, she just came up being abused by men, sexually abused by men. And then when I seen her, when we grown folks and I seen her in Michigan, she looked at bad. Looked at real bad. And the only thing I can think inside my head is that I'm, I'm surprised she only had one kid. That was a shocking thing to me. I'm surprised she had one kid. I'm glad she only had one kid. But she looked at bad. And I can have a thing inside my head that, you know what? I contribute to her looking badness. Because, see, I'm one of them no-count fellas that, that went inside her. Went inside her thinking that, you know, it was the things to do. Because, see, that's how it is back then in the day. The things, they, they call it peer pressure. Back in my day, they ain't call it no dang on peer pressure. They call it was a thing to do that was that, that what your fella was doing. To be accepted by everyone, that's what you had to do. I guess the name, the word peer pressure today, I don't know what it is. I'm with the, I don't know what it is, but back then, you know, you thought you could get your stripes. It was being a man growing up by getting you something. By having sex with this little gal. Now, let me tell y'all something. Ain't nobody ever raped that gal that I know of. Now, I'm telling, I'm telling you something happened to her when she was a little baby, but I don't know nothing about that. But I'm saying all the fuzz that I knew that they ran up in, inside her, she gave it up willingly. And she was a fast-tailed little gal. But she was a fast-tailed little gal because her mama was fast. Her sister was fast. Something happened to her that made her fast-tailed. She had no, 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 no parental control or guidance whatsoever that I know of. And now I seen her as a grown woman and she, she raised her, 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 her hand little boy. And she just looked bad. So I had to go talk to her. And I apologize. I can't apologize for all the men. Because can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting her in the cold in Michigan in the cold, sitting in front of since uh sitting in front of uh, the air vent? Sitting there in a chair in front of the air vent, a dark illuminated house, just sitting. Can you imagine what's going through her mind? Not just the thing that happened to her that made her like she was growing up, but all the fellas that she done been through that abused her body, that took advantage of her, that done lied to her, that done used her. Can you imagine that? And I was about as shocked as a hound dog with no squirrel to chase. When she said, I was thinking about you. How's she thinking about me out of all the sea and ocean of guys? What did I do? And ran about that time. You know what I did? I was the only fellow that was nice to her afterwards. See, most fellas... They, when they when they got done with her, they didn't want nothing to do with her. It was a reputation. But see, I was nice to her afterward. 
I probably was the only fellow that felt guilty. I felt guilty for just being inside her. I was nice to her afterwards, even though I did lie to my girlfriend <laughs> that I didn't do anything with her. But I was, but that wasn't in front of her. You know, it wasn't like I was in front of her, in front of, in front of Sheila, and say, "Hey, that guy here lied. I ain't do nothing with her." No, she wasn't there. I, <laughs> I said, "No, she lied. I ain't doing anything." That guy, you know, that girl fast. I lied my tail off. <laughs> but when I was, whenever I seen her, I was nice with her. And like I say. I just can't imagine when I was sitting there looking at all the things that goes to her head when she's sitting there, sitting there, looking into that heat bed, thinking about things, thinking about her past experiences in life. She's just sitting there. And I'm one of, and, and, and I'm one of them. I'm one of those exploits. I'm one of those exploits. But it just goes to show you when I think about when I think about Mary, I just feel bad. You know, I, I feel bad. I mean, I think, you know, that's where I get this thing from. I always want to help people, you know, you know, especially sometimes with women. I'm a little too nice. You know, it's like they say you always want to find a wounded dog to help. <laughs> you know, all my life, you know, just helping. You know, using resources to help, you know, wounded dogs. And when them dogs get healthy, you know what they do? They run on away. Some dogs will stay by your side. Some dogs will run away. A lot of times, you know, people have been through life and you come along and you try to show them something nicer. But sometimes, you know... Whatever happened to him in the past is just so ingrained deep. Now, let me tell y'all something now. I ain't no psychiatrist or nothing like that. I don't even play one on TV or on the internet. But I'm, I, just, I just observe people. And if you ever sit and talk to people, you know, it's like when, when you see someone, you see them where they at now. But if you hang around long enough and you get to talk to them, Find out where they came from, how they grew up. That tells you what kind of person that person is when you find out how they grew up. That tells you that tells you how they think. Why they think the way that they think. Why they think the way they think is because the way they grew up and things that they experienced and they seen in their past. Now the beautiful thing about life is if you're able to, if you live long enough, you can change anything about yourself. And most people do. Most people come from horrific life situations. And just like Mary sitting up there, I can just see the abuse on her face and on her body from all them years because she wasn't too bright. She wasn't too bright for us in the educational sense because she ain't go to school and never had to. Only school she did was on her back. So she wasn't too bright education-wise. Now, these days, she's probably getting a little smart now because of the internet and TV. You know, maybe she read a couple audio books now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just blessed around. But look, she wasn't too bright either. For as one in the book sense. Wasn't too bright. That's how Thus took, took advantage of her. So she could have had something mentally wrong with her. And I, like I said, I think whatever mentally wrong with her was a development from her childhood that made her think that from some no good fella. Some no good fella. 
But that's how it is, though. You got to look at the past. Sam talks, you know, I was watching this one show. I was watching one show, and uh, the guy, he was trying to figure out, you know, why this fella think like this? You know, matter of fact, it wasn't a show that I was watching. I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to podcasts on J. Paul Getty. You know, Getty Oil, J. Paul Getty was the richest man in the world. You know, J. John Paul Getty, his son got kidnapped. His grandson got kidnapped over in Paris. And he didn't want and, and uh, he didn't want to pay the ransom. The kidnappers actually cut one of his uh grandson's ear off. You know. He didn't want to pay because he told he told him I'm not I'm not paying ransom for no grandkids. I got 14 grandkids. If I pay ransom for one, we paying one ransom for all of them. This man ain't never did nothing for nobody. He was stingy. Every little penny pinch. Finally, I'll make a long story short, but finally, when he paid the ransom for his grandson, the, his accountants and his lawyers worked out a way that he paid it, but he can write off on his taxes. He can write off part of the ransom he paid on his taxes, and the other part, he loaned his son. He loaned the money to pay for his grandson ransom to his son, and the other portion of it, he wrote off on his taxes because he he was so stingy, and that fool died by himself. Didn't want to give his grandkids nothing. Told didn't want to be around his grandkid. And I was figuring on. I'm listening to this little pie talk on John J. Paul. That just ain't making no sense to me. But then it got to the one episode where it went back into his past. It went back into his past and showed you how he became the man he was. Why he was so stingy. Why he was so motivated. Motivated to make money. Because his daddy. His daddy didn't give him nothing. His daddy treated him the same way he treated his kids. And was treating his kids. His daddy was making money. But daddy didn't give him nothing. Daddy was hard on him. But instead, listen to his daddy. He was out there partying. And his daddy wasn't gonna leave him nothing so he can just waste the money, waste the waste the family fortune on partying and marrying women. He had more wives, John J. Barget had more wives than I did. <laughs> he was no good. He'll get married and divorce her the next week. And if they had, she had, he had kids by him, he'd leave the kids. Then he wanna pay child support for his kids. J. Paul Getty was a deadbeat dad and a deadbeat grandfather. Had all the money in the world, the richest man in the world at that time. But if you saw it, you went back and it was sad the way he grew up. The way his father, his father was extra hard on him. But see, his father extra hard on him because his father wanted him to be a good man. But yet he wanted to party as a little teenager. He wanted to do everything in the world with the family money instead of be responsible. So his dad was verbally abusive to him and everything else. But that's how it was back then. It wasn't no Me Too movement back then. It wasn't no child's right advocate group back then. Parents back then put a foot in your tail. So what happened to John Paul Getty was, when his daddy died, right? Uh, when, 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 when his daddy died, you know what? Y'all go listen to that episode on John Paul Getty. I'm not going to tell you anything about the story, but I'm just going to say that the man was eccentric. He wasn't eccentric. He was just cheap. He was stingy with a penny. Had all the money in the world, he was stingy. Didn't take care of his son, his son, everything that he hated about his father, his son hated about him. 
Because he treated his son the same way his father treated him. His son was a drug head, dope head, everything else. And it was his son, it was, it was his son's son that got kidnapped in Paris. Even his son didn't even give a dang about his son being kidnapped because he was so high smoking opium and being with the women in England. He didn't care nothing about his son either. So you got the grandson get kidnapped, the daddy, John Paul Getty's son, he getting high smoking smoking dope in Europe or, or hashi or whatever in Europe with them all prostitutes and everything laid up high. The granddad got all the money in the world. He didn't want to get nothing up. Like he told y'all, he said, I got 14 grandkids. If all of them get kidnapped, I'm paying ransom for 14 grandkids. I don't pay no ransom. Only person who cared, cared about the boy was his mama. She was the only one trying to deal with the kidnapped people. You know, John, John Paul Getty, this fool went out and bought art. The kidnappers wanted something. It got up to like $1.2 million. First of like 500000 but they got up to one point because they couldn't kidnap. The kidnappers kept kept the boy so long they got tired of keeping the dang old boy. It was costing the kidnappers more to keep the boy as a hostage than to kill him or let him go. They was it was it they was using up expensive feeding him and taking care of that boy. John Paul Getty was out buying art paintings that cost more than the ransom for his grandson. He was buying pictures and figurines and statuaries the the Getty Museum. He was buying all that stuff. Hundreds of thousands of dollars he was spending on it. While his grandson was kidnapped, he didn't want to pay a dime. Because of the way he was grew up. I'm just saying that we are encoded. We are encoded. Them, them years, them, them, when we was a little baby and we growing up, man, stuff that we see in our household, we that's why I tell people all the time, parents can really screw up a kid head. You want to screw up a kid head up? Let him hang around his parents. Parents are really school kid head up real bad. The wrong kind of parent. Not all parents. I'm not saying all parents. I'm just saying the wrong kind of parent will screw up a kid head. You have kids and you don't want no kids. Like J. Paul Getty, he ain't want no kids. He see a woman, he get married to him. He knock her up, he gone. Literally, he gone the next day off to the next woman. Divorce her and marry her. Didn't give a dang about nothing. He kept why he had 14 grandkids at the time. He didn't care nothing about nothing. He didn't give a dang about people. All he cared about was his money. And he died the richest man in the world. Dead. Who got the money? The Getty Museum and all his other stuff. The kids got some money. It was not. He, 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 the guy had so much money and lived like a, he, he lived in a nice house. But he was surrounded by all this stuff, these, these objects, paintings, statues, all these objects he lived around. Objects that don't move, don't talk. Objects that don't have no personality. The only value of personality that they have is the, the value that you look and you see in them. Oh, do you see the artistic in there? Look at the smile. The smile is this way. I'm wondering what is the emotion that is coming off of this painting. That's nothing. That's stuff in your own imagination. I close my eyes and think about all that stuff. But how we deal with people, how you deal with your relatives, the good he could have done by grooming his kids, his, I mean, his, and, and his grandkids. Now, I hear like Warren Buffett. I hear Warren Buffett 
I hear Warren Buffett, he got a granddaughter. Last I was looking at San Francisco, he don't give that girl nothing. And he say, he ain't giving the kids all, he got all the money in the world too. Oh, but just so tight. What you doing with the money? What people like Warren Buffett them doing with the money? You know what? You know, like, you know what? I ain't got all off subject now. I'm talking about Mary. I got all off subject. Look like I'm about to do a little talk on that. But my, my main point of it is that how kids are coded when they're young especially when they grew up in an abusive situation. And before they know it, they didn't abuse their body. Whether they abuse their body with sex, whether they, because some people use sex to numb the pain, just like they use drugs. Maybe Mary as a little gal, she just wanted to be loved. And she felt by a man putting his penis inside her and holding her, she was a pretty good when she was cold, when we, 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 when, we, when we was near out to a ducktail. Telling her she pretty. Maybe that made her feel good. You know, just like a junkie. You know, just like a junkie. You know, they they they, they need they need to hit every 15 minutes to keep that feel good. So maybe she was in so much pain, she needed that penis inside her or to be around a man or to be doing things for men every 15 minutes to make her feel good. I don't know. I don't know. Only thing I know was I woke up this morning and I was thinking about Mary. And I remember the little, little southern side story I did I wanted to share with y'all. Now, it was just a sad thing. I think, you know, one of my not so shiny moments in things that I did in my experiences. Some type of fella is if I offend somebody, it hurt me for days and days and days. It hurt me if I offend somebody. It's been hurting me for years and years and years. Every time I think about Mary. But I did have a chance to apologize to her, at least for my little part of it in her life. So look at that. I'm going to get on out of here now because it's almost all right. about about time for me to get to the cigar spot. Plus, I got to pay a few bills too. And these people cut my light bill off and, and my... Uh, and my, and my water bill and my internet can you cutting that stuff off because see you got to pay them people you know you got to pay them people because them people supply you with service more people be complaining about paying their bills well you ran them bills up if you run a bill up you got to pay it that's why when i pay these bills i say i tell the people i show thank y'all for letting me use y'all light one for, for uh, last month yeah i thank y'all people let me use y'all internet for last month even like my rent i thank my landlord for for, 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 for let me use his place last month. You pay people, you owe people because you use their stuff. You don't want to pay the bill, you don't pay stuff, don't pay it. I run with y'all now. Why hate people with these damn credit cards? Talking about credit card relief. You go out there and you spend, you, you run a credit card of $15,000, then you're talking about you don't want to pay it. The interest too high. You knew it was too high, we got the damn going card. <laughs> That's another story. Look, I'm going to go out here now. Look, hey, look, if y'all got kids, y'all take care of them. Y'all take care of them. And y'all watch who y'all kids be around. Y'all watch the influences in y'all kids' life. Now, I, I, back in the old days, before the internet, I'll say, especially if you got little gals. See, you got to watch out for your little boys these days, too. A lot of these people out here, they, you know, with this with, with, with this new gay movement thing going on, you know, 
they like, you know, this. I, I call it the new sideways movement. You know, your little boys out here is, is more in jeopardy of getting up, getting twisted up than one of these little gals out here. See, they don't want them little gals anymore. They want these little boys out here. So y'all got to be careful now with your little gals. You got to be more careful with your little boys out here. Because they got some people out here with this sideways things, these these uh, agenda movements that's going, these gender movements going on today. Then, you know, take your little boy, you know, as a little young age, and before you know it, be like that boy Dwayne Wade, that boy Dwayne, the basketball player. His, I, you know, his his son, his son was a little boy when, when I used to watch it. All of a sudden now, he's a little gal now. You know, I personally, I think it's that Gabriel Union. When he hooked up with Gabriel Union and brought Hollywood into his life, you know, that's when a little sideways things turn. But you got to watch it these days, man. You got to watch it. You know. So look here. Like I tell y'all always in life. But before I tell y'all that, you know, y'all take a look at, you know, y'all y'all go out, y'all take a, y'all find y'all little cigar, your local little cigar spot first. I always tell y'all patronize your local cigar spot. Always do that first. Y'all pick up this uh, Gilberto Olivia Reserva Blanca. Like I say, this thing is a mellow cigar. You know, really, myself, I don't like a Connecticut rapper. You know, Connecticut rappers are mostly brown. And I, you know, when I first started out, it was okay. But, you know, it's a good, this digital cigar here is a good uh, early, to, to me, it's a good early cigar, early morning cigar. Well, you know, you got a little gal that just started getting a cigar smoking, you know, along with you, you know, it'll be a good stick with her, un, you know, un, un, until her palate, like your palate matures. But it's it, it's definitely a good stick. I'm not going to say that. And I'm going to tell y'all all, say, if you want to go online, you can go online, check it out. But I always support your local cigar spot. Always support local businesses. Because local businesses pretty much keeps money into the community. But we're going to have a little talk about that, too, because that's not always true, too. Especially into the African-American community. But for the most part, is support your local cigar spot. And you can go online to CI Cigars or JR or Holt or whatever and take a look around too, you know, to get you, you know, to buy in bulk to build up your humidor at home. But whenever you go to, when you go out to a cigar spot, always spend your money at your local cigar spot. That's what I try to do. I try to support my local cigar spot because it's a good place for us fellas to get together. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, like I tell y'all in life always, y'all take care of everybody. But more importantly, y'all take care of y'all self first. All right now.